I'm Maria Bruce Peterson. I'm Johanna Kinnock. And this is The Five Podcast, where we invite exciting people to guide you through the big questions of today. Chants, toppling statues, signs and singing fill the streets worldwide in response to the death of George Floyd and hundreds of other African Americans at the hands of the American police. It feels like the old world order is burning to the ground, but what will replace it? Over the next week, the five podcasts will be releasing our mini-series, After the Protest, where we dive into some of the big questions raised by the current demonstrations with some of the leading experts and changemakers on the issue. With them, we'll imagine, with a little bit of hope, what happens after the protests. Hi, and welcome back to The Five Podcast. We're still talking about race. We're wanting to keep this momentum up. And for the last episode, we talked about the history of police, the racist history of police, how it stems back from the times of slavery and how that's sort of showing today. Go back and listen. Yeah. (laughs) We talked to historian Wendell Adjete. It's really good. And um, for this episode, we're talking allyship. But we also just want to say that for the next episode, we are going to go back to the police and imagine what does a future without cops look like. So it's a bit of a cliffhanger. We've talked about the past of the police. And for the next episode, we're going to be talking about what the future of the police looks like. But this is a little interlude where we're going to be talking about something else. We're going to be talking about allyship today. And uh, allyship was a term that I first learned in the context of Uh, the queer liberation struggle and how people who aren't necessarily in the LGBTQ plus community can support that and can show up for, 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 for that fight and, and help queer people with their struggle. Um, And that same term has been adapted to terming how people who aren't of color can help people who are of color with struggles to do with racism. And that's why, of course, it's become a very concurrent term over the last few weeks, as a lot of people realize more and more all their privileges, come to terms with the fact that structural racism is still present in the world around us, and are looking to find that language for how to support those movements, but without taking up too much space in them and navigating it in a in a sensitive way. So that's why allyship is obviously a good term to, to to bring to the people. And that's why we wanted to talk about it today. Yeah. So our guest in uh, in today's episode is Prince Henry. He's a Danish activist and debater, and he's been talking about racism uh, all of his life. And right now he's experiencing what it feels like to have all of his friends discover this as well and talk about this as well. And we're talking to him about how we can keep this sort of momentum that's going on right now, how we can keep this energy in wanting to aid in the struggle against racism once the protests die down. And he was just such a joy to have on the podcast. Yeah, I have to say I loved speaking to Prince. He really brought a lot of good points to the podcast and he was very kind of straightforward in all of his points. And I think that it's definitely... He's definitely worth giving a proper listen to and, and really trying to take in some of the some of the ideas he has about how we can incorporate allyship into uh into our everyday kind of moving forward. 
But we also acknowledge that Prince is uh, one voice out of many in you know this question of what it means to be an ally. And that's why we've tried to add lots of different resources to do with the same topic in the description for the podcast so that if you find what we talk about today with Prince interesting, you can keep reading, keep learning, and you can start with some of the stuff that we've posted for you in the description. Yeah, so we hope you'll listen and sort of take all of the good things Prince is saying and uh, use that. Yeah, so welcome Prince. Thank you for coming into the studio and, and wanting to be on the podcast. Thank you, Joanna. Uh, yeah, my name is Prince. I'm 26 years old and I'm studying sociology. And recently I've been quite um, active in the fight for Black Lives Matter or just fighting for equality in Denmark and uh, speaking about that in the media and actually just in my everyday life, I've been doing this for more than 20 years. But since um, the focus on Black Lives Matter in Denmark, there's kind of been this, um, I mean, since the killing of George Floyd, there's kind of been this awaken or awareness about uh, how awful it is to be a black person uh, in America, but also just in Denmark in general, uh, how much we are discriminated against and we experience racism. So I've been one of the voices uh, talking about that a lot and trying to make that a focus. Yeah, and how has that been for you, being involved in that debate? I think it's weird because, again, I've been talking about this my whole life, uh, maybe to my friends or with my family. So it seems strange that something I've always dealt with and uh, fought for is something now that is popular or trendy. That's kind of a paradox. Yeah, do you feel like talking about racism has become trendy? Yeah, I feel like if you look at social media, uh, like everybody's page is about Black Lives Matter and people who never posted before or never, I never seen them talk about it or do anything to like enhance uh, equality. I'm grateful that there's an awareness about it, but I hope that it doesn't just stay like on social media. I want to see it in real life too, in everyday situations. Yeah, and I've seen that as an onlook because full disclosure, me and Prince went to primary school together uh, and I've seen you posting about these things for a number of years and now it's not just you posting. So that's a... No, all of a sudden the, the your Instagram feed was like flooded with black squares yeah. and you're like, oh, wow, all of my... Radical friends, I suppose. Yeah. And since when? Like, because when I've been speaking to some of these people about my experiences, these are the same people who have told me, like, you know, you're too sensitive or uh, are you sure it's racism? So I feel like um, I, I just don't want it to be a trend. I, I hope that it's genuine and it's sincere. And I hope that when, like, the hype dies down, because it's going to die down, we're going to forget that George Floyd was brutally murdered uh, until the next one. I hope people still like stay woke in their everyday life, not just on social media. Yeah, and that's definitely what we want to try and focus on, on on this podcast as well. And what we'll get back to is how we can incorporate this moving forward as well. Yeah, so so we want to talk about allyship. And I know that that's a term that's been debated a lot for the last month, the last couple of weeks, and also maybe worn out a bit. Um, but... Basically, it's this idea of how can you show up for a cause that's not affecting you directly. But we wanted to hear you. What? How do you define allyship? What does it mean to you? I think an ally is somebody who like intentionally try to promote and aspire to promote 
uh, inclusion uh, and equality. And it doesn't have to be uh, about race. It can be uh, a man trying to like make space for, for women or it can be able-bodied people trying to make space for people who aren't able-bodied. It's about uh, knowing that in society we have inequality and some people, they suffer from it. And even though you might not be the one who experiences this inequality, you are willing to fight their battle like it was your own, but also knowing that it can never be your own. You might feel pain on their behalf, but it's not your pain. So I think that's an ally for me. And it's also somebody who who listens actively, is curious um, about the struggles and the cause, um, and like ask questions. Uh, it's humble because they know that I'm not an expert on this, um, but I want to learn a lot about it because I want to make the world a better place. Yeah, so so I think this is really interesting, uh, also in connection with what you said before, that all of a sudden you saw all of your friends who'd never discussed this post about it on on social media. So so is that allyship all of a sudden caring about Black Lives Matter? It's allyship in that way that it makes more people aware of it. Like just sharing something can have an impact because it can make somebody, oh, let me see this video, let me see what's happening in this world, or I... Maybe I will go read this book. So you're kind of making people aware that it's a, it's a problem. But for it to be real allyship, it has to happen in real life too. It can't just be something that is uh, only words. It has to be actions because words are very easy and like you forget them and they don't really change a lot unless you back it up with actions. So I think if you want to be a true ally, you, like, you find ways to help the people you want to be aligned with in real life and like through your actions, not just through your words or through social media. So in your opinion, what are some of the the best places or spaces to practice allyship or ways? I think you can do it in um, like at a job, ask like how does the, like the people you're surrounded by at your job, is it a diverse uh, workspace? That's a, one thing you need to ask your bosses and yourself. Uh, If you're a journalist, what kind of sources are you using? What stories are you promoting? Um, but also just like, how do you speak about uh, minorities that are not your friends? Uh, what do you do to contribute to making the world a better place for minorities? Um, are you yourself educated on what uh, you can do and what you maybe are not doing? And how do you think about these things? So I think it's both like an intellectual um, practice, but also like an active practice. Do you like... Uh, support black businesses? Do you support minority businesses? Do you, uh, when you're at a nightclub, if you see a group of guys uh, being um, turned down or not being able to get in because like they're a big group of foreigners, do you like say to the bouncer, hey, uh, why are they not going to get able to get in? And do you like in solidarity also don't go in or do you just keep on uh, like having fun with your night and not really care that this is place you're supporting doesn't allow a certain amount of people to get in because of the skin color or because of something else. So you're basically saying you can practice it in all spheres of life. Yeah, I think you can. Uh, and that's important to do. You can't just practice it in one sphere because then it kind of becomes uh, something you can just say you're doing. But you have to like think about it every day. And it's like you have to also like um, you can never be too good of an ally, you have to always like reconsider 
do I know enough? Am I doing enough? And You're never just finished. No, it's like a constant uh, education. Yeah, but I also like how you frame allyship as something that we do, as actions that we take, rather than just as... An identity, right? Yeah, an identity. Because it's not being an, an ally, it's allyship, like an ongoing... Yeah, it's you're, you're performing actions and you're doing doing stuff. And I think that's that's very important. And, and that's also been very important in, in the discussions that's, that has taken place the last couple of weeks. Um, because I, I feel like sometimes it it almost seems as if people are more interested in, in figuring out how they can become a good ally than in figuring out how to to do good. I think that's also because we live in a, a day and age where uh, like goodwill is popular. Like we see a lot of brands uh, maybe posting Black Lives Matter or po- posting uh, a black square, but your own corporation, how many people of color do you have hired there? Do you support courses that support people of color? Do you discriminate at your own workplace? So you can try to claim allyship because it looks good on you, it looks good on your brand that might be money in it because like people associate with you with being a good person or being somebody who supports these causes. But do you actually do the work it uh, needs to be, that needs to be done? Yeah, I mean, capitalism, co-opting, progressive movements, it's just, it's intense. It's a whole thing. But do you feel kind of, um, what can you say, optimistic about everyone posting all this stuff and like the, the movement that's going on now? Or do you feel like it is mainly just performative? I feel like this time there's been a momentum that we haven't seen before, um, especially in Denmark. Normally it's just like, oh, we're in solidarity with what's happening in the States. But I feel like people are marching in the streets because they also see it happening in their own country. And I feel like it's becoming more personal. We're seeing a lot of people listening to people of color talking about their experiences. We're seeing a debate about racism in Denmark and how it affects people. Um, and people are really listening to it. I feel like there's a danger where um, when we don't have a black box to post or when we don't uh, have a name about some of somebody who's dead, we might forget that these things are still happening because they happen every day. Uh, we just The thing is, racism is not getting worse. It's just getting filmed. So we are more exposed to it. Um, so I think it's really important that we kind of keep the same energy after the protest, not just like go make a banner, uh, shout Black Lives Matter, but also do it every day. So if you see somebody experiencing, experiencing, experiencing racism, you do something about it. You say something, uh, you act or you support them. So there's lots of people who have kind of j- jumped on the bandwagon now for better or for worse, but there's also a whole separate group of people who say they don't want to engage because they say it's too complicated, they don't know how to, blah, blah, blah. What would you, what would you say to them about allyship? I think that's a really bad excuse because in life, a lot of things are complicated. Like if you go to school or you're trying to learn a new subject or trying to learn a new hobby or learn Photoshop, you're not an expert at first. So you kind of have to mess up and you have to be able to be like, I'm not, a, I'm afraid to make mistakes, but if I don't make the mistakes, how will I learn? How will I get better? So I think if you want to be an ally or you're scared to go into this debate uh, because you're scared of making mistakes, you just have to make that conscious and say to the people around you, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to say. And you can just start by listening. 
that's a really good thing to do first. Listen to people, um, black people or minorities talking about their experiences. Like get that knowledge. But also we live in a day and age where there's so much information out there. Like you can do your research. It's really important to educate educate yourself constantly um, because if you want to have a discussion or like talk about a topic, you need to know what you're talking about and who it is that you're talking about. Yeah, it's interesting because with most other things, everyone you would just Google it if you didn't understand it. So maybe it's worth calling bullshit on that. Yeah, and I also think it's because if you're not a person of color, you've not talked about racism your whole life. You don't have the language for it. Even me growing up, I needed to find the language to understand what was happening to me. Uh, and I had to get educated too, to understand like the structures and how it works in institutions and so on. So of course, people who don't experience racism also have to like get a language. And we need to talk about these things like we talk about uh, football around a dinner table. It needs to be normalized. It needs to be something we talk about our, with our children, our family and our friends. And I think... We need to start talking about it because if we don't talk about it, we can never solve solve it. Yeah, so just keeping on saying, "Oh, it's difficult," you know, I don't know how to engage is doesn't really doesn't really get anybody anywhere. No, because like, of course, it's going to be difficult. Racism is not easy. It's not easy to talk about. It's not easy to experience. But as an ally, you have the privilege of learning about it and not experiencing it. Experiencing it, whereas a person of color they don't really have the privilege of just learning about it. They're faced with it every single day of their life. Yeah, you're in it whether you want it yeah. or not. You cannot just take time to learn. I can't choose to learn. No. I have to. For, oh, I can't survive. I, I think that a lot of the time that that sort of um, hesitance to, to go out and talk about these things, it might come from a good place. There's also a um, an issue of of not wanting to maybe take up space in conversations where your voice shouldn't be the most prominent one. Um, and and I'm just, yeah, I'm thinking that's also something people struggle to navigate in. Like, when should you be talking about racism when it's not something that you have any sort of experience with? I think, again, in that instance, you need to make that clear, like say that loud, say, say it loud that you are afraid of taking space. And if there are people of color there, they'll let you know that I understand that you will never understand, but you can still stand with me in solidarity. So you can try to educate yourself. You can try to tell your family to educate themselves and like talk about it without, without it ever being your battle. You're only somebody who can help me uh, make more people aware of it or make yourself aware of it. Aware of it. It's also like a self-work. Like you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Because you probably benefit from a world where being white like gives you a lot of privileges. So you have to acknowledge your privileges too. So you have to almost acknowledge like your own whiteness as yeah, part you, of your identity also. You have to and how you benefit from it and how your skin color is not something you've like been, uh, not something you've thought about maybe mm. in your life or uh, experienced discrimination because of it. Yeah, and also, I mean, this the terms minority and majority are just like thrown around a lot, but then you realize, what is it, 15% of the world's population, which is white? But I guess people could kind of forget that that is a very specific identity also. Yeah, and it's also because of the world we grew up in where like, if you turn on the TV, look in magazines, everybody is white. So like you're reproducing the idea that majority of people are white and that's the norm. Mm. 
So anybody who isn't that will be like outside of that and will be abnormal. Um, yeah, so we, these conversations are important to have because we need to make ourselves aware of it. And if we're not aware of it, then we need to like push it out there and we need to talk about it because we can't really solve anything without talking about it. Mm. And the talk has to come before the actions because like you can't act on something you're not aware of. Mm. Yeah, I really like what you're saying about it being this kind of interpersonal thing that you bring into your everyday and like speak to your family about and and start there in like your personal conversations almost. Yeah, but also the thing, the reason, I think that why I say that is because I see a lot of people like protesting against what's happening in the US and in America. But like logically, what can you do about the system in America? Not that much, but you have a lot of power to change your surroundings, how they think, how they act, how they speak. Like that's where you can make the real change. So if you have an uncle who maybe doesn't know that the N-word is wrong and you keep telling him that it's wrong, he might think twice about it. Or you have a friend who speaks like in general terms about uh, immigrants. And you, you tell him they are also people. Like, do you think about white people as one identity because of the skin color? You don't. So when you meet one black person and maybe they are rude to you, that's only one black person that's rude to you, not the entire species of black people. And then there's also a group of people who kind of seem to get quite defensive. Like if you're talking about racism in the racism in the abstract, they're like, "Oh, why are you attacking me?" Or there's this term "white fragility" about that kind of thing. Yeah, and also just this. Oh, there's so many things you can't say these days. How am I supposed to navigate in this? Mm. And 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 how? What would you say to those people? I would say think about why you're getting so angry. Like think about what is bothering you so much, you so much when I say white people or I say um, privilege. Why is this something that's affecting you so personally? Because I'm really not talking about you, but I'm talking about like society benefiting whiteness. So there might be a reason why you feel fragile and you feel like uncomfortable talking about these things because you have to confront yourself and how you might benefit from them, but also that you might not be somebody who's doing something to like um, help other people who experience discrimination or racism. Um, I think you need to take ego out of out of it and like center yourself. Yeah, I love how you're defining it, uh, allyship, not as like a tick box of stuff that you can do, but more as like an attitude change to how how I guess a humbleness and an openness to certain conversations. Yeah, it's about how like you're a human being who wants to help uh, other people who might not have the same privilege as you. Um, and also when uh, black people speak about racism, they're often uh, labeled like hysterical or um, angry or like you're always talking about these problems. But when white people talk about it, they're kind of like, how are you courageous? Or you're so like, you're so good to like help less fortunate people. And that's also privilege that you can talk about it and not be labeled as angry or like crazy. Whereas if me who experienced these things personally talk about it, people don't, it's not as valid because I ha actually have the, like, I can't take um, my feelings out of it. It's going to be personal. So is the concept of allyship also an acknowledgement of that, an acknowledgement of the idea that like white people can take that com those conversations without the same strain necessarily? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, an acknowledgement of, of that, but also that you are in a position where 
if we need to change something in society, we need the majority of white people who are in power to do something. So you can give your platform and space to people who are underrepresented in these conversations and also just make people aware that these things are happening uh, and that th these things are something that needs to be talked about because it really affects a lot of people. Yeah, so if you're not using your platform, you're kind of actually contributing to the imbalances that, that are persisting. Yeah, I will say, I think this is the thing with the silence being compliance. Yeah. Whereas if you see somebody getting harassed, it can be sexually, uh, and you don't do anything, you're kind of um, allowing it to happen. So if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So you, ca you can't choose to be silenced because if you're silent, you know it's happening, but you're not doing anything to like fight it. Mm. And if you know it's wrong, because you knew it was wrong, um, then you're like, um, you're a part of legitimizing um, racism by not speaking up about it. And you're making it acceptable. You're making it what we say in Danish, uh, mm. that's why like, when somebody says something in the, something that's racist to somebody in Denmark, they can say it's a joke mm. because we have like accepted it as a joke. Even though people will say to you, it's not a joke. We have like a, have a discourse in this It's essentially cozy racism yeah. is what, what the term is. Yeah, and that's such a strong trope here, I feel like. The can't you take a joke? Why why aren't you laughing? But racism is not a joking matter. My skin color is not something you should joke with. Yeah, so... Where if we are talking about what what should happen kind of moving forward now that this this uh this big wave of conversation i guess has happened, how do you think that we can sort of like incorporate this more after like you said the the protests have died down? I think that what I said before is like you need to keep the same energy as you had at the protest the uh, after the protest, so if you want to uh, scream black lives matter at a protest, scream that too in your everyday life. Like if you see somebody experience racism, discrimination, say something, do something about it, uh, call it out, uh, tell people it's not okay, support that people who are experiencing it, but also read up on books and texts and like watch movies, educate yourself and your other white friends. Uh, try to understand why you yourself are not experiencing these struggles and understand that this struggle is not just at a protest, it's every day. So I think it's really important to speak with your friends, your family about racism, make it a topic that you talk about in general and you talk about every day, not just when somebody dies, but also think about how you have a privilege that you can learn about it instead of experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so again, this thing of it being ongoing and not just like, I'm now an ally, I'm finished. <laughs> And you can never be a good enough ally. You can always do more. So you can't, you can't like claim ally as an identity. It's something that you just, it's an action. So how useful is the term, the term allyship actually? Because it, it really does fall into that risk of becoming just a trendy identity, right? So in your opinion, do you think it's useful as a term or should we choose a new one? Should we choose comradeship or, uh, I don't know. Co-conspirator. Co yeah, co-conspirator or co-captain, co-something. I don't think the word itself is the problem. I think it's what people do with it. As like, 
it's like they want to hashtag ally or hashtag, you know, I'm doing good. But like all the good you're doing, you don't have to shout it out. Just, just do it. It will have the same effect. If you're only doing good because you want people to see you do good, then it's not coming from, from a sincere place. It's, coming, it's about ego. And allyship is not about ego. It's about helping others who are not in the same privileged position as you are. Um, and I think we need to, again, take ego out of it and take yourself out of it. You're not the one uh, suffering or getting discriminated against or experiencing racism, but you're in a position to help those who are by speaking up and making other people aware of it and making your surroundings aware of it. Yeah, earlier you said that white people had to decenter themselves from the conversation. And I just think that's so well put and so such an important take from this. Yeah, and also I think just um, uh, like understanding that you don't necessarily uh, understand everything. <laughs> like that's the fundamental like breaking point at the beginning of all of those conversations. Yeah, and also what you said about not understanding you will never understand because it's not your experience. But you can listen, you can learn, and you can do as much as you can. And then when you know better and you know more, you can do better and you can do more. And that's a, like a constant process. Yeah, so someone said, I read a quote yesterday, which was like, there's no way of being a perfect ally, but there's a lot of ways to be a good one. <laughs> I think that uh, sums it up quite well, yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have any final questions or anything? No, I think you you put it so well. Thank you so much for for sharing this. And as always, we'll put uh, we'll put links to really good reading resources also on how to be a yeah how to be a good ally. We'll put it in the description. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Five Podcast, where we tackle some of the big questions of today. The podcast is brought to you by Five Media a new global media platform that aims to change the conversation through quality journalism. Go to 5media.com for more 5 content and subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode. See you there. Bye. Bye.